Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It's The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon, of course, uh, joining us social distancing from the Casa de Monson. Jake with you at our Vivint Smart Home Arena studios. Austin across the glass from me. And joining us from, can we say Casa de Bowler? The one and only Craig Bowler. Jack, what's up, Bowler? Hey, uh, how are you doing, big guy? Hey, doing great. Hey, this sounds terrific. We've got a great connection with you. How are you holding up? Things good? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I appreciate you having me on. As always, uh, I'm on Zoom. I'm actually looking in at Austin as we speak. Lloyd just walked in. Lloyd, how are you, buddy? Nice to see you. I tell you, I've never seen uh, Austin's left ear this well ever before, but uh, it, it looks good. He's got yeah. a good-looking lobe. That's true. Yeah, really, really good-looking lobe, yeah. How's that mole coming out? Is it looking all right? Uh, let's see. He's a little work, pal. You got you got right. a few weeks to work on that. Go go get that uh, go get that looked at. Uh, <laughs> what's life around the Bowler Jack house like these days, Bowler? Are you going stir crazy? You getting out a little bit? Are you doing all right? I'll be honest. I'll be honest. Yeah. You know what? I think I lived on adrenaline, Jake, for probably good three weeks after the night in OKC, and then it really hit me that this was going to be longer than I expected. Um. I think I was adrenaline filled because I knew I had to go into quarantine for seven to 10 days, which is what I did and didn't have much interaction with the family at all. Slept in a different bedroom, uh, ate meals at different times, kept the distance. Uh, and then I kind of decided when I came out and really try to join uh, humanity a little bit more, I realized I couldn't really go much further than my house anyway. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I like to work. I think I've realized now more than ever how much I enjoy what I do and the job and the world of sports and the entertainment it brings to fans. And uh, I think just through Twitter and social media, I've really found out that it's uh, it's something that uh, most of us miss in, in one way or the other. What, whatever sport you choose, whether it's the NBA, hockey, baseball, the upcoming college or NFL season, uh, we're all kind of into this together, hoping that, you know, there'll be a break and the, and the right time to do it, by the way. Bowler, earlier on the show, we had uh, Dr. Angela Dunn on with us, who the state epidemiologist who is sort of spearheading uh, and, and overlooking the, uh, the health of the people in the state. And she talked about the meeting with Jazz and staff and everybody uh, when it came back from Oklahoma City. Were you present there when those questions were being asked of her? Yes. Yes, I was. And I have to applaud her professionalism. She gave us an incredible sense of calm. After the plane landed, uh, we were ushered into a um, uh, just a hangar. And we stood there and her crew, her staff uh, took every question as long as we needed to stay, she stayed and gave answers to every question uh, with professionalism. But also, I thought she showed a lot of, uh, you know, just uh, emotion of her of herself, knowing what she was going to be up against. And I applaud her. Uh, I, I I never wanted to meet her in those regards, but uh, I found her to be uh, outstanding. And I thought she helped us through a pretty difficult moment. 
You know, Bowler, I think uh, I've asked you this, but I'll ask it again. And I, I asked Dr. Dunn this as well. But, you know, for a couple of days there, the Jazz, Salt Lake City, Utah, we were the, the, the focal point of the world when it came to COVID-19. It's pretty amazing that after that night in Oklahoma City, it feels like certainly our country, the whole country's attitude toward this whole thing changed. And I bet it was pretty wild to be at the very middle of all of that. It was, Jake. Uh, I, I've had a lot of time to reflect, and it's amazing what the human condition, how you handle stress and pressure at that time. Um, I don't didn't really sense a lot of panic. I don't remember a lot of panic in our room. We were cordoned off in another area just around the corner from the jazz locker room. And I remember all of us kind of the eight of us there and everybody reacts differently in the human nature. And I, I just kind of took notes of everybody and how they handle it. And it was really intriguing. I just thought that it was real. Uh, it was it was scary. It was frightening. Uh, didn't really know for a while until Quinn came in and gave us the word of what was really happening. Uh, really the impact I think that it was having in the world of sports, but most importantly around the world. And now it made an impact in Oklahoma City and beyond. And just to kind of sense that for a while, I think you're you just go into kind of a protection mode, which I think I did. Um, you know, call family, got a lot of texts. People were so curious about what was going on. And I, I think it was just, again, a couple of three weeks of, of a lot of adrenaline that I had a week where I really hit, I hit the ground. And I think now I'm just kind of picking myself back up a little bit, honestly. And I kind of now understand more and more of what's happening and the length of time it may take before we get back to doing what we love. But uh, the most important thing is that we get it right and not have to circle back and, and go through this again. Yeah, there's been a whole lot uh, since there's no live action to watch, a lot of reflection on the past, including the Michael Jordan documentary that's going on on ESPN. And uh, Bowler, uh, we were we had front row seats to uh, that season that is being highlighted in that uh, docu series. And I was thinking about this. I wrote a column about it. It's sltrib.com, going back through that period of time in the '98 Finals. And if memory serves, didn't you and I do, with uh, was it Bonnie Bernstein? We we did a uh, we did a yeah. show. Uh, right there at Center Court at the United Center. We uh, we had a lot of uh, guests come by in the old days of Show Me the Title, and uh, the next year we changed it up. Uh, it was the Da 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 commercial, if you remember, and we just had more fun with that. But we had Hannah Storm, uh, Snapper Jones, Bill Walton, uh, Bonnie Bernstein. Uh, we had all you know the, the local press stop by, and we had a. I had a marvelous time doing that. It would never happen today because local television wouldn't be allowed on the floor that close to the action by any means. But uh, it was it was great. It was great. We had a great time. And um, standing there in Houston uh, on the baseline, watching that shot from Stockton go down in '97 uh, was just still it's burned in my in my my memory forever. And to see the emotions of both years, uh, 97 and 98. And now watching this, the last dance, uh, I think you wrote again, 
for some jazz fans and probably most, it could be a, an old scar, an old wound, an old scab, I think you said, that could be kind of pulled off once we get deeper into this series uh, about Jordan and Pippen, uh, Kerr, uh, Whittington, and, and the rest, and how this all worked out in the last dance. Uh, there's more to come for jazz fans, and it may not be pretty, but I think it's something, again, that is going to be intriguing to see behind the scenes on really uh, what was going down because we found out a lot, Gordon and Jake, didn't we, in the first two hours of just the – it wasn't for just the professionalism and how good that team was. Uh, the management of the Bulls were really going the opposite direction, and it's really it really gives you a lot of sense of just how tough those guys were to say, we'll show you. And that's kind of the sense I got in the first two hours – as it was directed towards, uh, you know, management, um, and and uh, and Jordan, just he, he was tougher on Pippen than I thought as he talked behind the scenes because he was about team, right? And I think we'll see more of Jordan's personality come out. Uh, you met him, I met him. We had a couple of interesting uh, uh, interview sessions, and I'll just say this real quick. He was totally engaged. What he what he was so good at, Gordon and Jake, if you were able to get in on the 60-man media show, uh, you remember how they set that up, Gordon? It was just kind of a, a little mini stage, and, and each of these star players would come out. And if you were able to get a question in, uh, he would totally engage you. Uh, he's a master at that. And – I think he understood the media better than any of us ever realized and how he used it to his advantage. But also he knew that his responsibility uh, with that franchise and just how, how important he was at that time of his career. But if you asked him a question, he looked you in the eye and you got the feeling you and him were having a one-on-one. It was, it was really unique. Well, there one thing that I did not remember, and you and Gordon probably do because you were there after the first time the Jazz and the Bulls played in the finals, but I didn't remember it being so up in the air that they would run it back again. You know, they talked about how Phil's contract, Reinsdorf had to go around Kraus and meet with Phil to get him to come back for one more year, setting up kind of that last dance theme. But I didn't right. remember that that was so controversial after the first time they beat the Jazz? You know, I, I don't either. And Gordon, I'm not sure where you are on that. I'm not sure, you know, in 97 after after the championship, social media really was not was nothing like it is today, if any. And so you kind of, you know, the, the beat writers were so much more, I think, in tune with breaking stories at that time that that one was kind of a hidden behind the door discussion it wasn't until a little bit later that you realized there was a lot of uh, issues within the organization and a lot of push and pull uh, that Kraus wanted to go a different direction. And and you know what? The biggest statement I think I've seen so far, and Gordon, you guys helped me quote this, but the statement was organizations win championships, not the players. And I thought that was the most resonating tone that has been set so far in the two hours which kind of sets the plate for the way that he was treated uh, by the players, you know, a sort a short statured man. And Jordan was picked on him and Pippen disrespected him. But I can understand in a way why that team 
pull together to such extent to prove him wrong and basically maybe even hurt his reputation. But there was a driving force there that's starting to, I think we're going to see it throughout the entire uh, eight hours of uh, the docuseries. Man, I, I as I've reflected back on it, and obviously this series highlights it as it, and it's it's going to uh, get more and more intense that way as uh, as it goes along. It's just uh, looking back and remembering the little nuggets along the way, and the Jazz were that Jazz team was really really good bowler, really you, good. I mean, they, they, that, that was a championship caliber team and it would have been a championship caliber team in a whole lot of seasons. But Jordan himself was just too good. And after the Jazz won that game five in the 98 series, which nobody thought they were going to win. I remember walking except for, Carl, in, except for Carl Malone. Yeah, exactly. I remember walking into the United Center and I saw people preparing to, for the post game celebration yes. they were up th- they were up 3-1 and I'll be daggone if that Jazz team didn't hunker down and find a way to win a game that no one thought they could win except for them like you said and they they did they they did it and they come back to game six here and they have everything lined up they're they're ahead they have the ball in the final minute uh they're up three and Jordan finds a way to, to get it done at the end, scoring 45 points in a game. And Phil Jackson said it was his best performance. And uh, hard to argue with it. Uh, the Jazz just ran into the best player on the planet. And that's, yeah. that's what happened. And, and the frustrating part, I imagine, for a lot of Jazz fans is that Pippen got hurt. Remember, he got hurt and he was probably not going to play in Game 7. So the Jazz had the home court advantage. They had Jordan isolated with Noah, with his lieutenant not there. They had a perfect opportunity to take care of their business. And then here comes Michael, steals the ball, and hits the shot. Yeah, and hits the shot, the steal and the shot. You're right. I, I think I remember in the building at the time, then Delta Center, Gordon, it was the elation of coming back home after Malone's incredible performance at United Center, thinking just give us a game seven, which I think most felt would happen. Mm-hmm. I think the Jazz at one time up double digits in the fourth, and had the lead still down the stretch as, as as they were making the run back. I may be wrong on that number, but you're right. Um, the Jazz ran up against, and this is this debate continues with LeBron, Kobe, and MJ now, even more so uh, with this series, the last dance of the, the GOAT, the greatest of all time. But, you know, in person, Gordon, as you and I saw, um, his ability – to overcome and take control of a game is is miraculous. I mean, LeBron and Kobe are still in that same Mount Rushmore, depending on who you want to put in the front or on the sides or whatever. Both are incredible athletes as well. But Jordan, maybe it's because we saw it in person, the assassin approach to his game, and I'm finding out even more how competitive this guy was uh, and I saw it at his Hall of Fame ceremony when he went in and Sloan was there. I was there. And he was really kind of rude. He pointed out a kid, a young, well, not a kid, but a former uh, junior high school 
buddy of his who displaced him on his on the on the varsity roster. And I thought that was kind of a strange time to do that during your Hall of Fame induction speech. But I think it goes back to tell you he wanted the favor of his father, which came out uh, in that first two hours. And I think really just drove him to another level that most of us can't even relate to. Boulder, where are you at on the Phil Jackson greatness scale? It's, you know, his resume is what it is, like 11 yeah. titles, right? I've, I think I've got that right. Uh, but then his detractors will say, yeah, but he had MJ and then he had Kobe and Kobe and Shaq. And, and we know that he certainly had some great players that he coached. Where do you fall out on him as far as his greatness? Well... That's a great question, Jake. Look, I mean, I'll give him credit for keeping a lot of egos and high-paid players focused and motivated, but it's pretty easy when you have leadership in the locker room from a Michael Jordan uh, and a Kobe and a Shaq. I think it makes your job easier. But look, you know, he was known as a guy that was a philosopher. Uh, He would, you know, the Zen master, I'll give him credit for being able to be a philosopher with guys with multiple backgrounds and handling a guy named Dennis Rodman could not have been easy. I mean, we witnessed a lot of strange things ourselves uh, during those, those championships, but you know, I can understand the distractors because you're, you really are only as good. I think Jerry would, would agree with this as good as your players. And he was blessed as was Pat Riley, uh, with tremendous, uh, a tremendous team, with tremendous leadership. But also you have to understand, I think Quinn and Jerry would tell you the same thing. You are, your job is to make sure you keep them connected. Teams can turn on a coach pretty quick if they need to, uh, or if one will run the franchise. And I think LeBron fits that category. Again, I may be totally wrong, but you know, the way he's bounced and come and gone, there's no doubt he, he, he has the hammer of Thor. I'm not sure during those times it was that, that way. I think Phil was still in charge, and I think Pat Riley was too. But they also, I think, listened to a great group of athletes and worked as one. So it, it's a great discussion. But i like to have seen Phil with a lesser team. We'd have a better knowledge of really who he was and just how good, how good that triangle was, his triangle offense was. Well, when you remember from the episodes that Jordan was firmly in Phil Phil's corner, and yes. when you ha- when you have the best player in the world and all time standing there saying, "I will not, I should not, I will not be put in a situation where I'm part of a rebuild playing for a different coach than Phil Jackson." Right. Yeah, and, did he say, and, Jake Gordon, that uh, I will not play for another coach? Yeah. That's and exactly I think that what he basically said. sealed the one-year deal, and the and the and why Phil went and wrote up on the on his uh, playbook, the Last Dance. I thought that was yeah. great. The video and just the behind the scenes is a brilliant concept by NBA Entertainment and Entertainment, who I didn't realize at the time was run by Adam Silver, now the commissioner. The vision there is ironic, and the and to know that those tapes. That video has been sitting in a vault in Secaucus for 23 years is an amazing thing until Jordan was ready for it to, to, to be released. Uh, well, didn't you find it interesting, too? I think I saw this or read it, I guess, that Jordan didn't think he lived past 50. And I found that quite interesting that 
that he, um, I don't know if he ever wanted to let father time catch him. And now he understands where he is in his life at 56. And he simply said it was time now to tell the story. I find that pretty interesting. All right, Bowler is with us through the entire 5 o'clock hour, so we'll get to some Utah Jazz coming up with Bowler next. Lots of other random little tidbits to throw by Craig Bowler Jack as well. Stay tuned. It is The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Craig Bowlerjack with us for the entire 5 o'clock hour, and it is a theme song Tuesday. And uh, today, or not theme song Tuesday, uh, excuse me, it's a total request Tuesday, but Austin's theme is singers or songwriters that you had a crush on. Joan De- uh, Jett, selected by Bowler. Bowler, you had a thing for Jonah? Yeah, I got to admit, uh, she was just kind of like... Uh, I don't know, man, just out there a little bit, you know, it, dressed in black, played a mean guitar. I kind of thought she'd drive up on a big Harley. Uh, and it just kind of like when I was a younger guy, I just thought, wow, I bet she'd be a, a fun date. Hint, hint, wink, <laughs> wink. I don't know. <laughs> Gordon picked uh, Patsy Cline. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> picked Dolly Parton. So. Dolly. Oh, oh, oh. yeah. Who didn't have a crush on Dolly Parton? Well, I know two reasons okay. that you have a crush okay. on her. Because she's a fine singer-songwriter. And great hair. Great hair. Great hair. Very talented. Didn't hey, she start up do- didn't she Dolly? Dollywood? Wait, hmm. Bowler, you have a Dolly story? I do, actually. Awesome. Um, you guys know I, I was um, kind of semi-grew up in the Ozarks of um, Little Town, so we visited a lot when we lived in Springfield and Kansas City. My granddad, my mom's dad, was a big fan. Now, the reason why I got to know Dolly Parton at a very young age, and I was starstruck, honestly, because she was about 17 or 18 when she made her debut. And this is for incredible trivia nuts on the Porter Wagner show. And it was my granddad's favorite hour of television. So he'd say, hey, Come in here and watch Porter Wagner, and this new girl shows shows up as Dolly Parton, and I think she's like seventeen, and the career started then. And I just thought, hey, Grandpa, (laughs) kind of like the young blondes, and that's exactly what it was. It was an amazing thing. But she and Porter Wagner went on for a long time. I think they performed the Grand Ole Opry, all that stuff. So there's a little trivia from way back. I don't even think Gordon could one up that with a Dolly Parton story. I was waiting for him to say that he ran into her in L.A. and maybe like <laughs> bought her a sandwich at uh, McDonald's or something. That's, That's a good for. story. I don't think I can top that. You know, guys, I know you're going to be really surprised, but I. Uh-oh. Yeah, I have, here it comes. No, <laughs> I have no Dolly Parton story. <laughs> no, I, I am surprised. Wow. Oh, yeah. I, I have had no experience with Dolly. And uh, I, I, I kind of. I kind of wish I had met her, uh, but, uh, you know, she was kind of the queen of country, wasn't she? Oh, yeah. Gordo, it's never too late. <laughs> never too late. Oh, man. What is Dolly? about? How, how old would Dolly be now? 
Well, she's probably in her 70s? Late 60s, yeah, maybe? Dolly Parton. No, I, you know, this Google thing tells me. 74 years 74. old. 74. 74 years young. Good for her. Wow. How about that? Hey, Austin, do you think we can call her up and get her on the show? Let's get her on the horn, Austin. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get right on that one. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that'll be good. Ask her if she wants to do a little sports radio on Salt Lake City. <laughs> and ask her if she'll sing Jolene for us or something. That's a great right? tune. That is uh, that is a great tune. Uh, Bowler, I want to get uh, kind of your thoughts on where we are on the uh, potential NBA season and or, or postseason. Of course, I, I asked that with a caveat that none of us really knows, but Adam Silver did have a teleconference last Friday where he was not really optimistic. Are you hearing anything or plans, or where's your overall feeling about possibly having a conclusion to this season? I uh, know, you know, I, I wish I had the magic answer. Uh, I'm in with you uh, and Gordon and the rest, uh, just kind of setting and waiting. I think what we've all have heard is a potential plan that everyone is well aware of is the 25-day return where you would uh, get a chance for the players to, to, to work out, uh, probably get some access to gyms, and then you bring a camp in. I don't know if they would try to complete the final 18 games. I don't think that would be part of the scenario. If anything, they would try to isolate and quarantine players in Vegas. That's the big word. Use the Cox Pavilion and um, uh, the other uh, Cox Pavilion next door to oh, Thomas and Mac. Thomas and Mac, yeah. yeah. And that'd be interesting uh, to see if they would play triple headers. You know, one team files in, one team, two teams file in, two teams file off. Next comes the next round and probably would be televised, obviously on some national basis through multiple of outlets, whether it's ESPN, ABC, in primetime, NBA TV. Uh, That's a possibility just to get the playoffs in. If not then obviously this season ends with an asterisk. And then we'll have to wait and see if uh, a Christmas Day startup is a potential. That's also been discussed for a new season. So this may be one of those times where we may not get the answer we want to see who was a champion. And we start all over again. And LeBron's a year older, and so's, uh, so's the rest of the league. And so are we. And it's... Uh, you know, I just hope that we do it the right way. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see us play, and I think a lot of fans would like to see the playoffs. But, again, you're dealing with a lot of players and a lot of people that surround them, support staff, coaches, and trainers that could be in harm's way until, you know, this green light comes on and we understand what's going on more. But it may it may come to that we may we may get a break and we may see positive signs and the and the nba may may take make a step forward i know it started with the league in the sense of just um um stoppage in oklahoma city and i think adam silver's made it clear he'd like to be able to see the nba restart professional sports but again uh, they they know more than all of us, and they're working with professionals and doctors on what's best for the league and, and the best and the best really for our fan base. That's that's the important thing because I know fans want to get back into the arena, but how that's going to occur is is beyond me. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be happening anytime soon. But you know, you've seen the discussions of having Major League Baseball 
located down in Arizona. And I've, I've seen some players who said, man, I don't want to leave my family and be uh, away from them for an entire Major League Baseball season. But, Bowler, that scenario you uh, brought up there with the NBA, either some portion of the regular season or playoffs, whatever, that, that could be done probably inside of, what, a month or two. And if you do test everybody and you kept, uh, kept them somewhat uh, isolated, I think most of those players could find a way to – to handle that i think we'll see television money is at stake playoff money uh, all the above players want to play um i think we saw last week that the union the players union and the owners came to an agreement uh in may that paychecks will begin to show uh, the impact of this pandemic and you know we go from there um, you know, they share revenue, Gordon, as you know, and the revenue stream is 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 going to take time to catch up, by the way, because games lost also means, you know, revenue that has to add, add revenue has to be re, um, I guess, introduced to a new season and as we call it, make goods. Right. And so those make good ads have to be put somewhere. And so it's it's going to be it's going to be a, it's going to take time for recovery. I mean, from all indications, and I think it's going to be intriguing to see what the plan actually finally will be and when they decide to implement it. And you know, the other thing, Jake and Gordon, is the protection of the players. The investment is high, as we all know, on every roster. And the last thing you would want is to have a guy ill prepared to return and then all of a sudden have a hamstring uh, a quad or an Achilles occur and then people start to question that so injuries happen we know that but you hope that the guys are able to get enough time to get back in shape uh, and I think they're trying to stay in shape but Conley I believe last week in, in that interview that Zoom interview that we uh, I, I was a part of you know he just says look it's it's totally different working out than playing basketball and that means you have to play five on five until you really get into basketball shape and maybe that's the reason why adam silver proposed 25 days and a, and a mini camp to try to get that all done let the guys work independently and then bring them all together so again there's some inter interesting ideas but it's it, it's going to take some time to to get to that i think to that level and uh, again, I think they're they're cautioning uh, on the side of just of, of making sure it's right. And I, I have to agree. I mean, everyone has a different concept of what's going on, but I still think the safety of all of us is is number one. And that uh, that's going to play itself out. How long it is, I have no clue. But I hope it's soon. All right, we'll have more with Bowler coming up right around the corner. Stay tuned. It is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, Craig Bowler, Jack with you at 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, and hanging out with us for the whole 5 o'clock hour, Craig Bowler, Jack. And what, Dolly goes out to us all on the singer-songwriter that we all had a crush on, Dolly Parton? Working 9 to 5? This was a good movie. I don't remember it being good, but <laughs> well, you know, time ago. Do they can't all have Jennifer Connelly in them, Gordon? <laughs> nice. 
the bowler when you hosted the big show back with Gordon, did he have a the a thing for Conley like he does today? Jennifer, that is. Oh yeah, I know there's. That's nice. I went in. I told. (laughs) 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 Present company included. Uh, Well, you know, we we had some discussions (laughs) off the air, right? Oh, brother. we were talking earlier about who who uh, who the celebrity crushes are of our wives. So Sharon's not going to get out of this unscathed. Who is her celebrity crush, Bowler? You know what? Hey, hey, Jared, who's your celebrity crush? <laughs> you know she she's not answering. I think on purpose, but I'm going to answer for her because she just brought him up, George. Clooney. Oh, okay. Yeah, well. Gordon told us that Lisa doesn't have one. Well, I went and asked her, Bowler. I went and asked her. I asked her point blank. I said, who's your celebrity crush? Cause, and, and she said, I, I, let me think about it. She couldn't come up with anything. And I'm, I'm like, wow, either you are, this is a really positive sign or a really negative sign, one or the other. I thought she, uh, well, never mind. <laughs> Just don't play it, there. Austin. Don't play it. <laughs> I think she does have a celebrity crush. I think we all know. Mm-hmm. Lisa's pet name for me is Bowler. Uh, oh, that hurts every time I hear it. Sorry, pal. Sorry. The truth Sorry. hurts. <laughs> that is mm. funny. That is funny mm. stuff. Uh, Bowler, what did you think about Mike Conley winning the uh, the horse competition? Did that do it for you, or was it just kind of a frustrating thing because we don't have basketball? Yeah, it was more frustrating. Happy that he won. I tell you, he showed us some pretty good skill. I mean, who hasn't played horse in their day, right, against their buddy? And somebody in the neighborhood walks up and says, yeah, I'll beat you. You play cat, dog. If you really want to go deep, you play horse, right? Um, and, yeah, he, he, the, his ability of left and right hand was pretty uh, – well, I thought was was one of the factors why he won. And you could just tell – as, as he talked about it the other day on this Zoom interview that I was invited into, um, it was really amazing to hear him talk about how long he's played horse as a kid and how he's been he's worked on these shots his entire life and how he felt comfortable putting them up. So this guy's like a professional horse player on top of being a, <laughs> an elite point guard in this league. So, I mean, congratulations to him and Somebody was joking the other day on on Twitter, but it brings a title to to Salt Lake, right? Um, <laughs> we need another one that's a little bigger than that. But uh, you know, Mike, Mike's. I just love talking to Mike. He's cool, calm, collected, confident, but in a great way, and that's what makes guards who they are. And uh, he was. Uh, I think for him, he said it was therapy to go in there and just play some hoop. And have you, you know, I've seen all of competition. You? These guys are all competitors. We know that. Have you seen him use that offhand in in games? Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, layups, uh, not in the sense of shooting, uh, you know, with a right-hand jump shot, but his ability to change at the rim I have and mm-hmm. go baseline and score. Uh, but not. He, I don't think he's put up a lot of horse shots in, uh, in NBA <laughs> games. But maybe one day it's going to come in handy. I mean, I'm sure it has. That's something we didn't ask him, uh, actually, during that conversation. You know, how many shots like in horse have he used in, in the course of a regular season NBA game? Be interesting to see what his answer would be. 
Bowler, is is Conley going to be the big unanswered question of this season if we don't see a conclusion where we, we still don't know if he's a good mm-hmm. fit on this Jazz roster or not? You know, sadly, I think so. I think when all the reviews and uh, looking back stories and this asterisk that maybe is put on this season, you know, we'll talk about this for a long time, remembering COVID-19 uh, running into 2020, obviously. Um, yeah, you know, I think that the one desire by really everyone, all the prognosticators, the so-called experts, the fan base, of the jazz around the league really thought the Conley fit would be a, a perfect fit. <laughs> and, you know, I think the early injury uh, really slowed him down. I think again, uh, he would probably tell you that changing from Memphis and having a pick and pop Marcus soul there and then working with Gobert and also, also having three guys who handle the ball, including himself and Donovan and Joe, just a different type of rhythm and scenario. And what Quinn needed him to do took a, long, a little longer time than I think a lot of us thought. But we were beginning to see, I, I, I believe, the Mike Conley that we all kind of expected. And I'm saddened that we didn't see the final 18 games. Uh, we were, you know, the Jazz schedule, I'm going to pull this up real quick. Because I know time is short. But if you think about it, Jake and Gordon, after the Oklahoma City game, we would have seen the Lakers twice, home and away. We would also have seen San Antonio, who most likely would not have made the playoffs uh, in a 23-year span. We also would have had a road game at Dallas, uh, then a couple of Eastern Conference games. But the big ones in April, Portland on the road, Denver would have been huge, Clippers here, a Phoenix game that the Jazz could not overlook. And then you finish out with Oklahoma City on the road and come home and play Denver. There was a, I think there, were, there would have been a lot of movement uh, left in this season. Right now the Jazz are the four spot. If they pick up the playoffs to play Oklahoma City in round one, they're the five. But I'm not, I'm not so sure that's where it would have ended. It could have been higher. Maybe it would have been lower. But obviously the Jazz would have had a chance – to elevate their position in the West. And sadly, that's something we'll never know. Do you Most anticipate- likely we'll never know unless yeah. they find a way to play these final 18 games and then go to the playoffs. But if they would start the season up with the playoffs, the Jazz would uh, entertain the Thunder at home in round one. And if they don't do that, Bowler, do you expect changes in the in the in uh, to the roster that, that don't involve single-year contracts or expiring contracts? I'm talking about the guys who have another year left. Yeah, what I've always learned is from the Scotty Laden's and the the Kevin O'Connors and now the Dennis Lindsay's and the, you know, Justin Zanuck's of the world is that, you know, they always hold that close to the the vest. But they've always said this, the commonality is that we never try not to get better. And I, I would be surprised, again, the Jazz stood pat more or less a couple of years ago. Coming back into this season, they made some changes. Uh, a couple didn't work out and opened the door for a George Niang and a Jordan Clarkson to, to, to prove their worth off the bench. But I think in any general manager, any player personnel director in any league is always looking for another piece to put the, uh, their team 
uh, to another level. And the Jazz seem to be close. I think consistency is still the one key. After winning 19 of 21, you thought they were unstoppable. And then they lost confidence and uh, went on a tough, what was it, eight-game losing streak. And I think they were beginning to find themselves again and get more comfortable in the new roles with Joe coming off the bench uh, and his acceptance of that and Jordan Clarkson's impact on this team will also be another storyline, I guarantee you, when we look back uh, on 19 and 20, no doubt. Well, Boulder, we love it when you drop by the big show, and we love it even more when you come on for a whole hour. Thanks, man. Hey, what else I got to do? (laughs) Well, Well, you got that barn to finish, Payne. Yeah, it's true. Uh, I've got to go and start, uh, you know, mowing the back 40. It's starting to pop out in spring. Sad thing is, I don't know who else, honk your horn if you've got allergies. I mean, Mm. I've got them. And I just, you know, I sit in bed thinking, is this a bad thing or a good thing? I don't, I don't like it, but I get it every time during this time of year. And it's, uh, uh, yeah, um, I hate allergies and they've kind of knocked me down the last three days, but I'm feeling better. Uh, I started using nose sprays and all that stuff, but. Bowler, I'm with you. I, I get allergies so badly this time of year. I wish I knew exactly what plant caused them, and then I would start yeah. some sort of campaign just to eliminate that plant. Is that is that yeah. even possible? Like, if it's dandelions, can we, like, figure out to, how to just get rid of them altogether? I'm Jake Scott, and I'm running for president. My first agenda is eliminating flowers for the dandelions. <laughs> like, I just want to know what it is so I can avoid it. Jake, a vote for me is a vote do. for the death of dandelions. <laughs> Jake, what they do is they're going to bring you into this little room. My son had to do it. And they're going to prick your back with like 50 different allergens and then wait about 30 minutes and walk in and go, oh, <laughs> God. And then you're going to know you're, al- you're absolutely allergic to everything. Grass, mold, pine, cottonwood, all the above. And then you go, oh, my gosh. None uh, of it's watch, watch out for yeah. the ragweed. Yeah. That'll get yeah. you every time. Ragweed. <laughs> every does get you every time. And I'm not sure about the dandelions, if that's going to jump on you out, out there or not. But allergists this time of year, I don't know what they're doing. There's people suffering out there. I, yeah. I don't think they can get into a doctor or not, but uh, it's tough. It's tough. Well, Bowler, continue the nose spray, and uh, we'll will. talk to you next week. Yeah, take care of yourself, Bowler. Gordo, always a pleasure. Uh, Jake, great talking to you. See you next week. Austin. Uh, thanks for uh, – we did this on Zoom, by the way. And uh, so I got to see Austin the entire hour in the studio. I, I got to see Craig Bowlerjack with facial hair. No big deal. That yeah, is yeah, something. I got a goatee. That is yeah. – that's I don't – how many people have ever seen that? Nope. Bowlerjack with facial one. hair. Yeah. Never looks grown good. One. Looks good. I mean, you know, man, I keep it and I'll shave it at, ha- at halftime during the first game <laughs> when we get back. I like that. <laughs> I like that. That's I'll awesome. shave it pregame. I'll let – no, I won't let Harvey let, touch. I was going to say, let Jazz Bear <laughs> shave it for you. That might be. Hey, don't do that with electric. It has to be electric. Right. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> Very good point. Uh, thanks, Bowler. You're the Bye. best. See you soon. See ya. All right. There you go. That is Craig Bowler Jack. We'll have more of the big show coming up next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 the zone.